Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in here on a Tuesday, hour number two. Coming up one hour from now, we'll talk some college football with Bill Connolly from ESPN. Also, some Predators with our buddy Chris Mason from Fox Sports Tennessee. Predators tonight, uh, game three of a four-game stretch at Bridgestone as they take on the 0-3 Sharks. Uh, But right now, talking about Taylor Lewan and the way he uses social media where you guys stand on this with the back and forth with Shaq Lawson. And I guess really to you know take the conversation to the next level, what, what does he gain from doing so? Because clearly you can't really monetize Twitter, right? No, you can't. But now he's, he's got his brand that he's building, right? You know, you know busting for the boys and the whole thing. And, and again, a lot of it's very, very good content. The young people love it. Uh, he's doing a great job with all of that. Now, during the summer, I, I was listening to a few of those episodes, and he said, listen, when the season starts, we're going to – we're going to shut it down. Now, he got shut down by the NFL. I just think that if you're going to come, you have to have some self-awareness. And if you're coming off a loss where you didn't play well and your team gave up five sacks and you were suspended four games for cheating, it's probably not the time to start going after people. Um, again, do I actually care? Does it affect the way they win or lose? Probably not. It's not a good look. He doesn't have a whole lot to gain. I personally don't care about any of that stuff if you're playing well and winning. It, I, it literally, it all comes down to if you're playing well and winning. If you're playing well and winning, you kind of can do whatever you want. If you're not playing well and you're giving up sacks and you're not winning and you're suspended, it's probably not the time. It's probably not the time to be going out there and, and yapping at people on social media. 615-737-1025. We'll take your calls on this conversation. Joe is up next on Morning Drive. What's up, Joe? Hey, good morning, gents. Uh, thanks for letting me on the show. Sure. Um yeah, just my, my take on this, being a long-time uh, Tennessee Vols fan and a, and a newly um, minted Titans fan, I, I just hate seeing all the hype generated by social media, Twitter. Um, all it is is all flair, no substance. It provides a false narrative. And, you know, if, if Taylor Lewan wants to build his brand, the best thing he can do is be a Pro Bowl tackle. Anytime he's paid to get results, and anytime number eight is on his butt, anytime you know number eight is getting sacked or getting hit, guess what? That's hurting your brand. And I, I would, I would just like to see him shut it down, go out there, and just produce. So yeah, Joe, no, I, I agree. I mean, look, if you're Marcus Mariota, what twenty-two times now? Twenty-two yeah. times you've been sacked. 22 sacks in five games. Yeah. It's insane. Your left guard can't block anybody. Your left tackle's on social media bickering with Shaq Lawson. Yeah, he's on pace to get sacked over 70 times. Uh, that's not good. Yeah, that's not, not good. good in no world. Um, yeah. It's, it's, with social media, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. And, you know, you, you want to be able to show your personality, but I think you got to be smart in how you do it, especially during the season. Um, you know, there should be, I, I think every head coach, just like a, a college coach sort of, every head coach should be like, listen, you know, 24-hour rule before and after the game because it gives you a time, just like in a, in a locker room. Cool down. 15-minute yeah. cool down period. 24 hours, you know, 24 hours before and after the game. So if somebody does say something, you catch wind of it. Just you let it. You you think, okay, what would I want to say? What should I should, <laughs> should say? And then, okay, do I do I say anything at all? Yeah. 
and it gives you an opportunity to kind of reflect on what, you know, what was said and, okay, I don't have to do it. Or it should be, you know, the fella should just say, listen, if it's not about the team, if it's not about an event you're doing, let's not get on social media with this back and forth with anybody. Let's not, you know, all this hype stuff and yada, 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 because it benefits nobody. It really does. And I know it's about build. I know you guys want to build a brand and I'm cool with that. But remember this. If your ass can't play, nobody gives a damn about you. They don't. So if you're out here trying to build a brand, but you're not producing on the field, nobody's going to follow you. Nobody's going to care what you say. Or if you do post something, they're going to make fun of you. Like yesterday. Exactly. So what you need to start doing is paying attention to what got you to this point. What got you a million followers or two million followers? Those things that got you those followers, continue doing. Because the minute you start slacking in those things, people are going to make fun of you. All those million people that loved you or half of them that loved you, they're going to start hating you and they're going to start posting things and making fun of you. So take care of what you need to take care of on the field. It goes with Taylor or anybody. Take care of what you need to take care of because people, players quickly forget what got them to this point. It's their play on the field. Not necessarily them and their personality. You can have a great personality, but you, if, we ain't, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do on the field, nobody cares. Yeah, why, why if is you're it, a backup, nobody cares. Why is Antonio Brown so successful? Well, he was successful because he had 100 catches. Exactly. He, 100 was, catches he a was a dog on the field. He yeah. was arguably the best receiver. That's what got him the million followers. You mentioned you like the fact that players going back and forth at each other back in the 80s and 90s where guys hated each other, opponents were opponents. Not everybody was buddy-buddy with agents like they are in this day and age with shoe deals and everything like that. What do we take about this audio? This was uh, Nick Bosa last night from the 49ers who had a great game <laughs> all over Baker Mayfield during the game and then post-game. Here's the audio. Let's, talk, let's take a listen to this. He had it coming, so. but he didn't say one word back. So, What would you say? Just an example. I was just screaming his name, like, Baker, Baker, you good? Come on, pick it up. We want to challenge you. So this was throughout the game, not just on Yeah, and he was just looking at me like. <laughs> Can you tell when a quarterback is starting to rush things a little more and get out of rhythm, and did you see some of that tonight? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how anybody thought he would be able to see over Eric and Buck, but uh, he was panicking. He was double-clutching, rolling back and forth. Um, we had him rattled all game. Okay, so from Taylor Lewan <laughs> trash-talking after a loss, mm-hmm. to Bosa trash-talking at the media availability after a win, do we like this? It- See, see, it wasn't over bad trash talk either. He kind of said I was just chirping at him, and he he mm-hmm. didn't say anything back to me. So, like, he kind of it wasn't really harsh. What I thought was funny was that Joe Tessitore picked up on it immediately because mm-hmm. he has a college background, right? And he saw when Bosa did the fake pl- flag planting. Uh-huh. So I think he had got a sack, and then he did the fake flag planting, which is of course flag planting, which is of course what Baker did at Ohio State, mm-hmm. which which I thought was funny. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but I saw Bosa do that. 
And I go, that just reminds me of when you lost to Baker Mayfield. Like, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, like what you did in college and what you're doing in the NFL really don't they like, don't go together. Like they played in the playoff because they smoked yeah. you, dude. Like, I don't, so I, I didn't necessarily understand that part of it. But well, again, it was Bosa's payback. It's his revenge game. It's not game. a payback. Of, of it's course. not a revenge game. But you can't change what happened. Well, in the okay, well, no. Well, okay, what is what rev- in what world is <laughs> me beating you in college and putting well, you at the playoffs the last, and you the, beating me in that meaning? Uh, a, a, a rec- I can see if it was a Super Bowl. Okay, but right. the, the last time Bosa and Baker were on the field was Oklahoma, Ohio State. Baker got the best of them, planted the flag, drew a lot of criticism, probably ticked people off. So Bosa got after him all night last night and stuck it right back up oh, his butt. It was a regular I, I like season. It, by the way. I, I go. No, I, know. I, I, I get it, but it was a regular season okay. game. And if I'm Baker, I'm like, dude. Well, that so was, was a, that college game like, when they dude. played each other? Yeah, I was like, that dude, got, that got wasn't that a September game? Yes, but it got him into the play. I mean, that's exactly. what got, like it eliminated Ohio okay. State from the playoff. But I'm like, dude, that, that, was a, that happened in college, man. I, yeah, I know. Wait, I just, what do you? Again, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's great. I mean, it was, but you know what? Bosa didn't. Bosa he didn't go over the top. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't say Baker was a bad player. He didn't say. He just kind of made fun of him. Like, hey Baker, you okay? He didn't. He didn't say. Oh, yeah. Baker, Baker was horrible. Yeah, Baker. he just said. Listen, we had him rattle as a team. We had him rattle. Yeah. He said as a team. He didn't necessarily say me. He said as a team, we had him rattle, and that's. That's cool, and I'm pretty sure Baker is thinking like, man, should I say something? Nope, I'm not going to even say anything. Well, and and you know the things that he and Eric Weddle were saying about Antonio Brown, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. like they were taking shots on social media. So I, I just I think it's I think it's I think it's fun as a fan of the game. If you're just a fan of the NFL, it's fun to see these types of things starting to happen more on social media because it's it's fun to see players going at each other a little bit, throwing barbs, and and again, mostly in good fun. Um, you know, Bosa, I don't think you can see over Eric and, and Buck. You I probably think it's couldn't. Pretty, it's pretty funny. <laughs> not at 5'9". That's, uh-uh. a, that's a funny line. And, and so, you know, it's not it's not overtly, like, antagonistic. It's just sort of funny. Now, Jalen Ramsey having dinner with Deshaun Watson on his off weekend while the Jags are struggling in a game trying to fight for the division lead, and, and you're having dinner with Deshaun Watson in Houston because your back is hurting? Like, that. that's also another part of this. Like, we add this one to the conversation, too. Jalen Ramsey hasn't played in two games because mysteriously his back's starting to hurt. Again, I'm not suggesting that it's not actually hurt, mm-hmm. but it does seem a bit odd that they're threatening to trade him, and then all of a sudden he stops playing, and now he's having dinner. No, they and wasn't he, threatening to trade him. He wanted to he, trade. He wanted to trade, sorry, and, and wants a contract, more mm-hmm. importantly. And now on, on a game night or a game weekend where your team is struggling, like if, can you imagine Marcus in a contract year? He gets hurt, and he's out for a week, and he's hanging out at like – I don't know. He's hanging out with like Shad Khan at, in Jacksonville because they don't have a quarter. You know, I'm like, it's just we would roast Marcus Mariota. Like, we would kill him. Like if Lawan did this. Yeah. If Lawan during his four game suspension was like hanging out in, I'm trying to come up with like, okay, Tom Brady's a Michigan guy, right? Let's say he's up in New England and he's having dinner with Tom Brady on the night of a game while the Titans are getting beat by the Colts. Like, yeah, you wouldn't like that's, that. That yeah. ain't going to come off well no, with, the Titans, with the Titans fans. So if I'm a Jags fan, I'm all. I'm all fired up about what Jalen Ramsey's doing. And he's posting on Instagram, hey, I'm at dinner. Oh, I'm in Houston to, to visit a doctor. Oh, me and Deshaun have the same agent. Like, they've got all the excuse. He's got all the built-in excuses to... to, to <laughs> he had them written down. Yeah, like, to make it work. <laughs> but, like, really what you were doing is having dinner with the division rivals quarterback is what you were doing. Let's, let's call it what it is. 737-1025. If you want to jump in on the conversation, uh, one thing I want to do uh, revisit on the other side uh-huh. is... 
You know, we've talked on this show many times about the culture that John Robinson is trying to build here in Tennessee. I think we need to revisit that. We'll do that when we come back. It's Morning Drive live here on a Tuesday. We're back after this on ESPN 1025 The Game. And you know what I'm going to do again as I did yesterday and uh, as, I've did, as, I, as I've done uh, many weeks before, I'm going to tell you about my good friends over at Cool Springs MD. Um, for over the last, you know, six or seven months, uh, probably a little bit more than that, more men have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. Well, I've been talking about it for almost a year, but it's been years um, for for Cool Springs MD uh, helping men uh, with their hormone deficiencies and balance. Dr. Jeffrey Lodge and his wife Daphne, along with their experienced staff, Give men the treatment required to improve their quality of life. Cool Springs MD services have already helped many men of the Brentwood, Nashville, Franklin, and the surrounding areas, because I'm in Franklin, here in Tennessee, with improving their immune systems, energy levels, cognitive functions, and more. When my energy levels were low, I went to Cool Springs MD, and boy, I walked out of there feeling like a teenager. And men, you can too. They are there to connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthy, enriched life. And there's no better time now to achieve a healthier lifestyle, men, because when your lifestyle is healthy, then everyone around you feels it and they gravitate to it. The kids, they want to play with you more. They want you to come outside and play a little basketball, throw the football around. And if you don't go see Cool Springs MD, then you ain't got the energy to go out there with your kids and play around and jump on the trampoline and all the other stuff. And then you know what you really don't have? You really don't have the energy to, you know, kiss mom on the cheek. You know, and you got to have that energy, fellas. You really do. <laughs> so listen, what are you waiting on? Give Cool Springs MD a call tonight, today, right now, and make that appointment. Here's the number, and don't forget it, all right? 615-486-3458. 615-486-3458. Believe me, when you make this appointment you know who will love you even more? Mama will. When I mean mama, I mean your wife. So visit, so make the call again, 615-486-3458 or go on their website, coolspringsmd.com. All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025. The game, Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquis. So let's let's revisit this Tennessee Titans culture discussion. You know, we, we've had this discussion a lot throughout the offseason of well, you know, John Robinson's building this culture, right? He's He's got this locker room, you know, great leaders, guys that just do their job, lead by example. We can't bring in Antonio Brown. We can't bring in this player. Now nah, he might ruffle feathers. And we've had all these conversations about guys that were playmakers uh-huh. but have baggage. And it's always because, well, John Robinson's got a culture. Well, what exactly is the Titans' culture right now? Because they're two and three. You know, Lawan's had his issues. Saffold's had his issues. Team is very erratic, very inconsistent. I'm almost at a point now where, like, I'm wondering if the culture is actually a winning culture. Um, and that doesn't mean that they don't have guys like Logan Ryan that do their job the right way. Yeah. Or, the, you know, the Jayon Browns, the Byards. But it's like, you know, what is the culture? I, I think for the most part, um, they have, a, uh, you know... Is it a culture of because what you want is a culture, a culture of accountability. That's what you want. And it is, you know, I hate, you know, it's it's kind of OK. Let me reflect a little bit. 
uh, in both the locker rooms that I had the honor to play in here and then in Baltimore. The culture of accountability was in the locker room. It didn't take Jeff Fisher or Bill Bell, I mean Brian Billick or Floyd. Harbaugh or Floyd yeah. or Ozzy uh, to come in our locker room and tell us, "Hey, y'all need to get this. This is what we." No, no, no. We did it amongst ourselves. We were accountable to one another, um, and you know that's what that's what you want to get to a point. You want to get to a point where. If the guys in the locker room are holding one another accountable. So the cer- certain things that you see, um, now every locker room is going to have its its outlier, one or two guys. And certain locker rooms, no locker room is kind of immune from having something go on. But the really got good locker rooms nip it in the bud very quickly. And they move on. And you just hope that this whole Taylor thing, social media thing, the locker room is strong enough to whereas where is they nip it in the bud. Either he figures it out very quickly because he hears things and I you know he listens or somebody that knows him listens and they go back and tell him because somebody told him about the Shaq Lawson stuff. And, you know, he got wind of it. So you know he hear it. So if that is indeed the case, if you're not going to be a proactively and nip it in the bud, then at least you hear it in someone that says, you know what, Taylor, or he figures out, I can't do this. Well, and Luan's only part of the equation yeah. here. I'm and talking about, like, about him. you know, the individual personal pride that you take in your own craft yeah. of all 53 guys on this lock, uh, on this roster in this locker room. I, I don't, you know, it's an interesting question. I don't, they have won more games than they have lost with John Robinson essentially as the GM the last three seasons. Um, so, you know, they've been to a playoff game. He has continued to bring in team players that are about the team. You know, the majority of the locker room fits that mold. There's not a lot of bad apples in that that locker at all, if any at all. Uh, and if the biggest issue we're having is, you know, some social media posts by the left tackle, then then the culture I think is 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 fine, and I applaud the team. But I think Derek is spot on, though. the The accountability of a grown man has to be to his peers, and. You know Taylor Lewan's accountability, are same no different as Marcus Mariota's accountability, and Logan Ryan and Jarrell Casey, Delaney Walker. I think there are some guys that are more outspoken, that are more more of leaders that need to maybe hold other players more accountable. But that's sort of the dynamic in every locker room. There are going to be guys who are a little bit more outspoken, guys who lead by example, guys who have no problem kind of pulling a guy aside. I think by and large, John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and and the team have done a pretty good job of putting together a pretty good culture in the locker room. It doesn't mean it's good enough to 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 protect the quarterback. <laughs> you know, I mean, you you have to have good football players at some point to do that. And so that that's the you know the, the concern is now. And maybe maybe we're overreacting because it's one game now. Twenty two sacks in five games is is not just one game, but this is the first time that Nate Davis and Taylor Lewan started. So it's not the same group. It's a different group of offensive linemen that started the first five ga- four games. So. Do do we need to give it a few games before we make rash judgments about what the future of these players are? Probably so. We probably need to give it some time, see what Nate Davis turns into. He's made his first ever NFL start. There's going to be some growing pains. Lawan is not in quote-unquote game shape. He, he's going to have to get there. I expect the offensive line to get better. How much better? Who knows? Um, but I think the culture is, is fine. I don't have a problem with the culture. I have a, I have a problem with you know how execution. And my problem with the, in the Bills game was execution. The kicker didn't execute. The offensive line didn't execute. The head coach 
in a fourth down situation, didn't execute the play call correctly. Like I, I have a problem with receivers dropping passes. That's execution. So there's an execution problem that cost them the game against the Bills. That 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 is a concern for me. Um, what does it look like in four weeks? Maybe the offensive line well, gels and gets better. Who knows? And, and here's why I bring up culture from from a winning standpoint is every time this team is an underdog, they're disrespected. They play pissed off for greatness, and they they surprise the NFL world and pull off the upset win. And as soon as they have the first little bit of satisfaction, of success, of celebrity, of fame, of doing what nobody thought they could do, they give it right back. Isn't that a culture problem where you you almost start, and I don't know that they read their, quote, press clippings, but every time they're favored, they lose. Well, this team has a problem with they are inconsistent. Uh, the culture is inconsistent. They have an inconsistent winning culture. Um, or I can't say inconsistent losing culture because they've won more games than they've lost over the span of the last three seasons, uh, albeit it's been a couple of games, but they still have a winning record. Um, they have an inconsistent winning culture. Um, they, they, they win, they win, and then they lose, 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 lose. And they are, they are what 20 something other teams are. They are a good team. And like I said about the quarterback, they are a good team that needs to find a way to, to um, separate themselves and become the, the elite teams. The quarterback needs to figure out a way to become the, the elite quarterback or separate himself from a bunch of other good quarterbacks. Um, it all goes hand in hand. I just, I think it's a microcosm of where we're at. You know, there's maybe three dominant teams, four dominant teams that we think we can and we got are going to win. But then everyone else kind of falls in that up and down, up and down. And that's where the Titans got to get to a point. They are, and we've said this before, they are consistently inconsistent. And how do you become a consistent team? Well, you go out there and 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 you you be about your business. All that other stuff you're not about. And we always like to look at the New England Patriots. You know what the New England Patriots are about themselves. They're about their business. They're not about social media. There's not about all that other stuff. You know, I, I mean, the court. Both of the quarterbacks are pretty much the same as far as social media. Um, hell, Tom's on it more than more than Marcus. But, but, it, but it took Brady exactly. nine, nineteen took years Brady to get like on it. Took six rings, six rings. Exactly. Yeah. But I think New England, win or lose, they are about their business. They're not about trying to rush the social media and all this. Stuff. They are about their business, and the Titans need to become about their business. Win, win or lose, they need to be about their business every week no matter what the situation if you win by 20 great we won by 20 we're about our business take on that that mantra of we're on to the next game i from now on be boring we're on to the next game we're on to the next game i'm so torn as we're a radio host though as no, a radio host i, I want them to I, yeah you're I right have all to spew nonsense on social media you're every right, day. but if they want to be if they show. want to if they want to start separating themselves then you you have to separate your attitude from the attitude of what the league is. Look at the upper echelon teams. See what their attitudes are. Yeah. See how they pro- see how they go about their business. It's it's all about 
Go about your business. Be about your business. Don't worry about that other stuff. Let that other stuff be. It'll be there when the season's done. NFL fans, don't miss Nashville's best NFL pregame show. Start your morning off with a kickoff show from 10 to 1 p.m., followed by the NFL pregame show featuring Jared Stillman, Floyd Reese, and Chris Sanders, live from the George Jones downtown on 2nd Avenue this Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. It's all brought to you by Wholesale Inc., powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, your Middle Tennessee Kubota dealers, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. We'll come back. The guy that's probably had the worst start of anybody this year, Roger Saffold. You'll hear from the highly paid left guard next on Morning Drive. My team down at this point. You know, I'm, I'm not used to this type of, uh, you know, frustration. Um, you know, I've been blessed to have a lot of uh, great press my way and just, you know, the, the ability to just comp- com- improve year after year. And, you know, that's something that I'm not going to blame on anybody, anybody on my team, my players, my coaches. Um, it's just going to have to find a way to just kind of connect it with this team, be able to get in rhythm with the team. Um because at the end of the day, even though we all make mistakes, I mean, we always talk about that you got to be critical of yourself, and that's one thing that I definitely take uh, to heart. So um, the only thing I can do is come in here, try to be the same guy without being too down, and uh, on Wednesday just try to continue to improve, which means coming in here with my hair on fire and being able to go through practice, uh, which is a different type of mindset. There's your $44 million left guard, Roger Saffold, yesterday, standing up to the media, taking all the bullets, addressing it, a little accountability. Good to hear. Uh, let's see if it leads and translates to some improvement on the field. Uh, and in that regards, you know, we mentioned this yesterday. You, you look at it so far, uh, Roger Saffold, I, I would say definitively by far the first five games has been the biggest individual disappointment, short of maybe Cairo Santos. Yeah, the guy who's already been cut. Um, I, I think when you tie it into expectations, into the contract, it, it's it's clear that he's at the top of that list. Um, the good news is, unlike maybe the left tackle, who is you know, seems to be sort of getting defensive about the whole thing on social media, um, Rogers steps up to the microphone and just takes takes it. He says, listen, uh, I, I'm, I'm better than this. This is not who I am. I, I need to be better. I take responsibility. And I, I, don't, I don't think as a fan you can ask for much more than a guy who's just going to take responsibility. Um, now, do you need to play better football? Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. But the first step is at least not trying to shy away from it and, and, and stepping right to it and, and, and taking it. I think Roger Saffold gets credit for that, at least. All right, let's take a listen. Here's head coach Mike Vrabel at his po- uh, media availability yesterday talking about the same mistakes and how they continue to repeat themselves and if they need to change how they approach certain things. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was that was Vrabel. Uh, oh, that was cool. That was great. Vrabel, the best thing Vrabel said all year. Vrabel yeah. was very quiet about that. Mm. Well, yesterday in the last couple of weeks, we've got Taylor back yesterday. Nate, Ben's our center. Now we have an opportunity to to look and evaluate and see if Dennis can help us, and then um, and then try to fix it and try to get the ball out when we have to and, and get run better routes. And there's a lot of times where the protection breakdown is there. There's a lot of times, not a lot of times, there's times where that happens. There's times where the quarterback doesn't get rid of the football. And there's times where, you know, we have to get open sooner. So those are, there's a lot of different things involved. Okay, so with Taylor Lewan back, Nate Davis at right guard, uh, Vrabel says, you know, looking at the offensive line, see if Dennis Kelly can help. D-Mage, you tweeted this yesterday. Does that mean there's somebody being benched? Yeah, because I, how, how how else do you take that? I need to see, we need to see where... Kelly can help 
Well, what? Are you going to bring in an extra lineman? Which you could. Mike Malarkey did it a lot. He brought in Kelly as an extra um, blocking um, 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 a blocker on, especially when they wanted to go into a run formation. So, do you want to use them as like in that capacity? That's not or, how I took it. Yeah, that's not how I took it either. I, yeah. I, I took it as, you know, are you benching someone? I, I heard what I heard right there is there are jobs that are up for grabs. Yeah. That's what and I heard. we're just trying to fi- figure out Best where five. Kelly can ha- help us. Because All right, well, is there any way he can play left guard? I think he can. I think Dennis Kelly can play left left guard. I think he can play right guard. Um, do you move Ben Jones from center to guard? I don't know. There are things they need to figure out. Uh, but I was the question because this is what I'm trying to figure out. Was the question asked of him? Was it pertaining to just the offensive line? Because if it was. I just hate when 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 coaches start to lump everybody else. It, it was it was about into, the offensive line yeah. being, you know. Well, you've had the same, and actually, the question was kind of. I don't know who asked it, so I don't want to. I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble here, but the question was sort of worded poorly because it was about, you know, oh, you've had this group for a while. Are you going to consider changing? It's like, well, wait a second. Like Nate Davis just made his first start, and Taylor Lewan's back from injury, and and so now we've got to figure out what Dennis Kelly can give you. Now then he. Like you said, Derek, he he immediately then lumped in the quarterback and the receivers and the play caller yeah, and, and, and everybody else. And I don't that. like that, man, because the the question was uh, specifically asked of the offensive line. If that is indeed the case, don't start lumping everybody else in. Yes, yeah. we know everybody else has to do a better job. That's just the way to – even when you're winning, you still can do a better job at whatever it is you're doing. But when you start lumping everybody else, you start making excuses for how poorly. Because, listen, let's not let's not forget this. This is not a thing that just happened this year. This was the same problem last year. So not all of a sudden now you're trying to make it seem like, oh, this is just a problem we've had this year because Taylor's been out, Saffold is new, we Nate Davis is new. No, these are the same problems that you were having last year when the quarterback was getting beat up. Now he's getting beat up again. So don't make it seem like, you know, oh, this is just a problem we just have this year. No, y'all had to go get Sappho because it was a problem you were having last year. And now you come to find out that maybe just maybe Sappho wasn't the answer, you know? I mean, but what is it going to say if they put Dennis Kelly at the left guard? And again, I don't know if Dennis Kelly can play the left guard position, but if in fact that's something that they do entertain. And you bench Roger Saffold, who was given $44 million, who had all this success with the Los Angeles Rams, protecting you know Jared Goff, leading the way for Todd Gurley. You know, Is this one of those mistakes where you look at a guy that had success in a great system and you overvalued what he actually is? Uh, possibly. I'm, mm. just, I'm looking at last year, and you know I love to look at pro football focus. He graded out as a C player in both run blocking and pass blocking. That's what he graded out as. Do you pay a C player 10 million per, 10 million per year? I don't know. I don't, because I don't know it, what the I mean the NFL might say might warrant that you do pay him that much. I don't know. And I'd be lying if I said, "Oh yeah, I watched Roger Saffold when he was a Ram and he was a stud." Yeah. I mean, nobody pays attention to this, but everything that we heard from the experts was he was one of the premier guards available on the market. So, either everybody was wrong about him in you know, ranking him as one of the top free agents available at that position, or he's a product of the system, or it's a communication issue here. It's Keith Carter. I mean, something something doesn't add up. What yeah. what what I do is I look at these numbers, and you could take them for whatever they are worth, but you look at the numbers, and on average, he's not a bad player. 
He's not a bad player. Because I, I believe last year he played next to Andrew Whitworth, yeah. I think, the left tackle so, for the so Rams. he's not a bad player. But did you get, are you getting what you thought you were going to be getting at this point of the, of the year? Because I've always said this. It shouldn't take Taylor LeJuan to come back for Roger Saffold to be a better player. It, in what world? I just don't understand that. You know, if you are a good quarterback, you're a good quarterback. If you're a good receiver, you're a good receiver. You might not catch as many passes, but you're a good receiver. You know, the quarterback has to have the ability to get you the ball, but everyone sees that you're a good receiver. You're just not getting as many catches because of the quarterback. We should have saw, even with Taylor LeJuan being out, that Roger Saffo was a good player. And we probably would have said, you know what, when Taylor comes back, he's going to be even better. But that's not what we were saying. We were saying, man, this guy's bad, and hopefully he gets better when Taylor comes back. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. It shouldn't take for Taylor to come back for Roger to be great, okay? When B-Hop and and, and Bruce Matthews play next to to each other, if B-Hop got hurt, um, um, Bruce, his play didn't, didn't slack. We didn't say, man, I can't, I wait, I can't wait to B-Hop come back so Bruce can start playing at Pro Bowl, I mean, all Hall of Fame level. No, that's just <laughs> the way he played. And when Bruce was hurt or they moved Bruce to center, we didn't say, man, I'd be glad when they moved Bruce back to guard so B-Hop can start playing better. No, B-Hop was good no matter what. And that's where Roger Saffo has to be. It shouldn't be reliant on Taylor LeJuan to be there for him to be a really good player. They paid you $10 million you know, per play like that. 615-737-1025. Coming up next, we're going to get ready for the Preds and the Sharks tonight. Game three of a four-game start to start the year at Bridgestone Arena. And a pretty interesting question we'll get into on the other side revolving around Dante Fabro and Kyle Turris. We're back after this here on ESPN 1025 The Game. It is morning drive. ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise. Uh, interesting little conversation we'll have here on the Predators as they take on the Sharks tonight. Not so much about the game itself tonight, but kind of an interesting hypothetical sports radio question that you actually posed <laughs> to us last night in the chain text. Yeah, I just was curious, and, and if Preds fans want to chime in, certainly would love to hear from them. But I, I think, you know, Kyle Turris and Dante Fabro are two of the bigger unknowns coming into the season. Just sort of what what are they going to be? for this team this season. Kyle Turr certainly has a track record of history in the NHL, so we sort of know what he is as a player. Can he get back to that level of performance? Dante Fabro is a, is a total unknown as a commodity over an 82-game season. It's never happened. We have no idea what it's going to look like. We think we feel feel pretty confident that he's going to be a, a really good player. So what what is, of those two, and, and I just, I don't know why this popped into my head, and and the reason is because of my probably because of my answer as I was answering the question with myself I thought oh I'm going to ask this to the guys and see what they think mm-hmm. and to me if I told if I guaranteed you that one of these guys is going to have a really good season wh- whatever that looks like for Dante Fabro or whatever that looks like for Kyle Turris and I said to you all right I'm going to guarantee you that one of these two guys is going to have a really good year so either a a breakout year for Dante Fabro or a bounce back year for Kyle Turris would but I'm but I'm also going to guarantee you that the other one isn't as good, right? Doesn't live up to the expectation. Doesn't live up, live up to the hype because odds are both of them aren't going to exceed at an elite level. Odds are one of them is probably going to be pretty good, and the other one might be not as good as expected, right? Mm. Wh- who would you choose if you had to pick? Easy answer. And I, and I have a very easy answer, and I don't think it's the same as yours. Okay, my my mm. easy answer is Kyle Turris because if you get him 
to return to even 75% of what he was in his peak, then all of a sudden you not only have a top six, you have a top nine. Mm. You have three really good lines. And Dante Fabro, and I'm not giving him an excuse to underachieve as a first-year starter, now filling that role of P.K. Subban, but you have a guy who Darren said yesterday in Matias Ekholm might be the most underrated blue liner in the league. You have a guy, I believe, this year, Roman Yossi, who will win the Norris Trophy. That was my preseason prediction. Mm -hmm. And you have a guy in Ryan Ellis who is not going to play as bad as he did in that Dallas series all season long. I think there's more cushion and wiggle room for a guy like Fabro to kind of navigate and find his way. I would go with Turris, too. Um, for the simple fact, uh, I think they're going to try to. I think they're going to try to do everything in their power to get him going. Um, whether it be you know the line, he, I think he was on the third line now. Mm-hmm. Not, um, technically, I think it's the fourth, yeah, considering fourth, yeah, how much ice exactly. time it is. But really, it's the third. Um, so they're going to try to do because you got to justify, and he's shown that he's a good player. But for whatever reason, last year was just that year. So they're going to do everything in their power to get him or put him in a position where he can succeed. So if I had to pick, it would be, you know, a guy like uh, Kyle Turris that, that would have a, a a bounce back year or a better year um, um, in regards to, to Fabro or, or, or in what he could potentially do this season. So they're going to give Kyle Turris every opportunity to prove that he was, he's the player that they traded for. So as a part of this hypothetical, what you guys are doing by taking Turris is creating, in my opinion, a weakness on the defense. And, and that's my concern. I would go with Dante Fabro. If you told me right now I'm guaranteed a, a, a really good breakout year from Dante Fabro. Look, look, they won the division last year without Kyle Turris helping them at all. <laughs> so, so they proved last year that they're good enough they can win the division without a lot of support from Kyle and with a slew of injuries and with a slew of injuries I I think long term you trade away a player like PK Subban you need to have an answer to plug that hole and if Dante Fabro to me steps in and again the perfect scenario is both guys are great right again this is a sports talk radio topic because I just am curious what fans would think like hey this guy's a priority versus this guy I would take a great year from Dante Fabro if it meant a bad year from Kyle Turris now and again the perfect world is that they both have good years but I just think that if only one of them is going to step up and fulfill their potential, having four good, high-quality defensemen is sort of a guarantee that you're in every game. It's a guarantee that you've got a chance to win every series, that you give yourself a chance to win every night. And I, when you have, you know, Kyle Turris right now is a top six forward. He, he's not one of their top six. He's not one of their better six. If Ellie Tolvanen is good enough to get called up at some point, he might jump Kyle Turris in the in the lineup. So to me, I sort of view Kyle Turris's production as like house money. To some degree, which is not should not be the case for a six million dollar guy, but whatever, we kind of have to ignore that part of it. If you if you're guaranteeing me that Dante Fabro has turned into a legit top four starting defenseman who can play eighty two from now on the rest of his career, I think they have found something special in that. And and then it's sort of like, well, whatever Kyle Turris gives you is 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 cash money after that. So the reason I would go with Fabro is defense is far more important just in general. David Poyle invested heavily in the forwards by signing. Uh, uh, Matt Duchesne, acquiring Mikael Granlin, all this stuff. They've got more forwards than they've ever had before. Now what they need is Fabro to fill the void left by P.K. Subban. So that's sort of where my, my head was at. I totally get where you guys are coming from. I don't but think there's we, a wrong answer here. We, we've seen this team built on the blue line for multiple years, 
And as good as this stretch has been, it hasn't equated in a Stanley Cup championship. So you look at it from the standpoint of, boy, if Kyle Turris gets going and is, you know, 75, 80% of what he used to be, mm-hmm. just think about the offensive firepower where you've got Arvidsson and Johansson on that first line. Your second line could technically be better than your first line with Duchesne, Forsberg, and Granlund. And now you've got Turris clicking and finding his stride again on the third line. It's like, boy, the opposition's got no breathing room because you're just sending out firepower after firepower in waves. No, I, Listen, I get it. I, I don't think there's a wrong answer to this. Um, and I totally understand. the, the And that's what David Poyle said during the offseason. He said, listen, we were intentionally trying to upgrade our firepower on offense. And that's why we did what we did to trade P.K. Subban in exchange for Matt Duchesne. What that means is you're putting a lot of trust and a lot of pressure on Dante Fabro. So, if you, again, that the reason I would go with Fabro is if you told me I'm guaranteeing a great year from a guy, I just feel like I've stabilized my back end. I've traded away one of the premier players in the history of our franchise, the, the most high-profile player that brought more attention to this organization than any other single player in the history of the organization, P.K. Subban, and, and we haven't missed a beat. And there's something to be said about that. And, and that's, that's a lot of pressure on Dante Fabro, but there's something to be said that he could step right in and take over for P.K. Subban and be almost as good. Now, again, it's, we're a long way from that. But I don't know. Does that make, does that make sense? But like, l- l- let, me, let me pose it this way. And I'm not, I don't, we, don't, we don't need to rank things. But if Dante Fabro is just okay this year, you know, he shows he's a young pup, the combination of Yossi, Ellis, and Ekholm, three of the, your four top you know, four blue liners, it's still, assuming those three play really well, it's still collectively one of the top five to seven groups sure. in the league. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a, that's a totally valid point. The difference is, is your top four defensemen play a lot more ice time than, than your third line or your second line or your, or, your, or your fourth line. So I think that's the other angle is, you know, you've got guys that are going to play 23, 24, 21 minutes a night and, and your top four is, is on the ice so much that you can't have a liability, right? You just can't have a, a, a weakness there. So I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting question. If I ask Preds fans, hey, you, you get one of these two guys is going to be great this year. The other one's going to be bad. Which one do you want? And I don't want the weakness on defense. I'll, I'll deal with trying to overcome Kyle Turris. Again, in a perfect world, they both have excellent seasons. And, and right now, they both look like they're they're skating with energy. And, and Turris is kind of making things happen. He looks better already. Fabro looks like he's totally confident. So the reality could be that they're both good. And that's even better for the Preds. But those were two of the biggest question marks. And I was just curious what you guys thought as to what your priorities are moving forward. Predators tonight, a minus 160 favorite over the Sharks. The Preds, of course, 1-1, one one, two points on the year. The Sharks 0-3 with zero points accumulated. The puck drop will uh, occur at 7 o'clock or shortly after, pregame at 6 here on 102.5. The game, and of course, uh, if you can't listen to the game and you're just sitting at home, you can watch the game nationally televised again, NBC Sports Network. And uh, you know, you'll see the score, you'll see the period, you'll see how much time is left in the period. You'll see faceoffs one. Is this is why? Is this why you you're won't going see to the SOGs? Game? Is this why you're going to the yes, game tonight? Exactly you, right. So you can watch the not, shots on goal. I haven't seen the shots. Do they have them up there on the uh, the big new? Yes, fan they actually they do. Yeah. Okay, yes, because they used to have them on the old little mini jumbotron. But I just yeah. want. I I think it also is maybe time that you let it go. It's just so hard. Why? why? Because it's just commonplace amongst hockey broadcasts and telecasts to see it. And then you get the random outlier, but the one, why, the one network that says, you know, we'll be trying, we'll be a little different. So you but want them the, to do it for you? It, 
instead of you having to go on there. I'm and all about like making my look. life as easy well, as possible. And they do flash it occasionally. Like yeah. it, it flashes up there occasionally. I'm just curious because it happens. It's not the kind of flashing I like, but you know. <laughs> Jesus. It- <laughs> You know, it happens to be also when you say the random outlier, it also is the premier national broadcast of hockey. So it is the top. It's the quote unquote top dog, right? Like it's the, you know, whoever that is for like, you know, who who has EPL? Does NBC have EP, the EPL they soccer? Do. So like the EPL soccer broadcast would be like the top level of, of broadcast. So that'd be NBC, right? CBS and the SEC does their broadcast better than I think every, every other broadcast. You think in- TSN omits SOGs? I, I I've never seen a TSN broadcast. I don't know. I might start watching TSN's. Um, <laughs> if they got shots on goal, that's your new thing, then. But but NBC Sports is sort of the national broadcaster. It's the top dog when it comes to hockey. So I, listen, I, I like their broadcast. I have no problem with their broadcast. Oh, their announcers are great. Yeah, they are. I just think you need to. I'll try. Just let it go, man. Right. Just you know, I don't on. ask for much in life. Just woosh make on. make your kicks, put up shots on goal. You know, provide me a quality Tito's cocktail. I'm, I'm a simple guy. I'm not asking for much here. Yeah, but quality mixed with cranberry just doesn't go well together. That's true. I'm sorry. Just, you're, you're not like a big be, fan of the juice. Just don't, yeah, don't mix sugar with your alcohol. It's just not good for you. Mm-hmm. It's like what it's what college kids do. You're better than that. <sighs> All right. We'll try to be better. Hour <laughs> three is coming up next. We're going to talk a little college football. Bill Connolly from ESPN is going to join us. He had a great piece last week on ESPN.com about how rivals in the SEC need to get back to playing each other each and every year. He's even gone to the extent of scrapping the West and the East and getting rid of divisions in the SEC. Hey, copy me. Yeah. Let's, let's kick that around with Bill coming up next. Stay there.